Hello and welcome to the year-end edition of Gridlocked. My name is Tracy Taylor and this is my podcast. First and foremost, I have to thank each and every one of you that have downloaded and listened all this year to Gridlocked and made it a part of your podcast listening. I am so eternally grateful for you and your support. So doesn't mean that this is the end because I'm going to continue doing this podcast. Everything, traffic, transportation, lifestyle, Seattle, you name it, I've got it for you. Uh, So if you didn't know who I was or you're new to the podcast, first off, thank you for checking it out. And second, uh, I am a Seattle area traffic reporter. I've been doing traffic in the city for almost, almost 20 years, Uh, coming real close to 20 years. Um, I like to consider myself kind of a traffic geek, so to speak, but that's not the only thing that kind of keeps me ticking. I am a loving wife, a stepmom, and a fur baby mom to three wonderful dogs and one that had passed not too long ago. And if you're wondering what kind of dogs that I have or the kind of life that uh, I have as well, I guess, uh, you can always check me out on my social platforms. My Twitter handle is Tracy T. Traffic. You can find me on Instagram. That's Tracy Taylor Turner 2 or my own personal website, and that's TracyTaylorTurner.net. So let's talk about the year in review and, of course, the things that, well, kept the city moving or not moving, so to speak, like the brand new tunnel that opened in February of this year and then the tolling in that new tunnel. And then we had all kinds of construction projects. And now we're jumping into 2020 with another big construction project for Link Light Rail. And I'm just going to get this out of the way because it's coming up this weekend. So 10 weeks of construction on Sound Transit Link Light Rail service starts, yes, Saturday, January 4th. It's part of Sound Transit's Connect to 2020 project. It's building the new light rail tracks connecting Seattle to the east side, essentially uh, from the downtown corridor across the I-90 floating bridge. So starting this weekend, if you are going to take light rail from Angle Lake to Pioneer Square, you're going to notice some significant changes. This weekend on Saturday, you're not going to be able to use light rail because they're going to put up link shuttle buses. It's going to replace the trains between Capitol Hill and Soto. So you can still essentially take the train or light rail from Angle Lake to downtown, but you're not going to be able to use like Pioneer Square, Soto stations. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Getting into the downtown corridor, you're going to get off the light rail. You're going to get onto a shuttle bus and it's going to move you into the city. There's a few other closures that are going to happen, too. This is not just the weekend, the only weekend. There's a weekend scheduled in February and a weekend scheduled in March as well. So essentially what it comes down to is the light rail is going to be two lines. It's going to be Angle Lake to Pioneer Square and then UW to Pioneer Square. You're not going to be able to move through the downtown corridor, like getting out to Westlake and whatnot on light rail anymore because that's where they're doing the construction of the tracks. So to continue past Pioneer Square, you're going to get off the train, go through the inner doors, and you're going to transfer across the temporary center platform. This will take you further north. It's not one continuous line anymore. You're actually going to have to transfer in Pioneer Square. So if you want to get off at Pioneer Square, you're just going to exit there and you're going to use the outer doors and it's going to face the permanent platform. If you want pictures of this, 
I've posted them for you um, on my website. That's tracytaylorturner.net. So you'll see those there. Or you can go check it out on my Facebook page as well. And if you're on Facebook or you want to check out my page, it's Tracy Taylor Traffic. And you can see the uh, kind of diagram there. Now, the trains are not going to be as frequent as what we've been used to. Four-car trains are going to arrive every 12 minutes during all service hours. And Pioneer Square is the last stop for both north and southbound trains. Change trains to continue past Pioneer Square. Now, this is going to be an adjustment. Ten weeks, guys. Something that we need to budget for, including having a little extra travel time, or I like to call it padding time, when you get a little confused and you're like, wait, why am I not moving? Why am I getting off this train? Where am I going? Don't worry, though, because Sound Transit for the first couple of weeks are going to have what they call ambassadors. So there's going to be people there and you're going to see them because they're going to be dressed like in their vests and they're going to be able to help guide you through the construction and when you need to change trains, so to speak. So it's something that, of course, I'm going to keep an eye on starting this weekend. So let's talk about the year in review. Everything that happened, traffic and transportation, in 2019. Well, let's go back a couple of years, like maybe 10. Uh, The decade of traffic here in the Seattle area. So I actually, uh, I compiled a list with the help of our Cairo 7 assignment desk editor, Steve Conan. Steve is like an encyclopedia of everything. This guy has memories, like all kinds of wonderful memories. And when I need him to help jog something for me, I kind of go to him and go, hey, do you remember? And we got talking about all kinds of wrecks that had happened in Seattle, things that made traffic headlines. There was quite a few within the last decade. So I'm going to go all the way back um, to April of 2001. It was a truck, a semi-truck of animal innards, bones, carcasses, all over I-5. That was between Northgate and the U District. It fell off somewhere um, around 130th and Shoreline. Steve was telling me he remembers that. He also remembers about the tanker explosion. We'll get to that in just a moment. So let's also talk about the fact that what we had the Nisqually quake that really shut down a lot of surface streets and of course the viaduct which brings us to 2019 and the new tunnel but it doesn't start in the new time I mean the new tunnel opened in 2019 but that just doesn't start there so we'll go to March of 2015 another big traffic headline was a semi truck that was carrying a load of frozen fish Now, this was something that actually I remember vividly. I remember where I was, and I remember exactly what I was doing when this hit. I remember the gridlock in the city, and I remember the fact that nobody was moving. I mean, essentially, people were getting off buses and walking. I mean, it was legitimately bumper-to-bumper traffic, and it delayed a Sounders match. That's how bad that fish truck was. Well, with the result of that bad fish truck overturning, this essentially lit a fire under Seattle DOT and said, you know what, we need to come up with a better contingency plan. And sure enough, they developed a new traffic response plan when something like this happens. This incident alone closed down, I don't even want to say closed down, it shut down the city for nine hours when the 
team, the Sounders, could not get to CenturyLink Field in time for their kickoff. Uh, yeah, we have to reevaluate things. So then in April of 2015, just after that, there was a tractor trailer carrying a load of 14 million honeybees. Ready for this? According to the Seattle Times Traffic Lab, it was worth over $92,000. This tipped over on I-5 and 405 out near Alderwood in Linwood, and beekeepers were busy. I specifically remember this because it was during morning rush hour. I remember Jake Wittenberg being the reporter when I was at King 5. Jake Wittenberg was the reporter out there reporting on the scene. Krista was her his photographer. She was not only afraid of bees, but she was also very allergic. She had bees in her camera. Jake was stung. I can't even begin to tell you how many times our competition. I don't remember who was there covering it for Como, but I do remember it was Jeff Bois. He was there covering it for Cairo. And what a fiasco that whole thing was. They were, um, beekeepers were on site within an hour Because that wreck that had happened with the bees was roughly around 3.30 in the morning, according to the Seattle uh, Times Traffic Lab. It was unbelievable. Okay, I'm sorry. I had to do it. I had to do it. Let's go to April 2016. A year later, Seattle saw pretty much what was a sequel, or I would say a... um, a copycat of the fish truck. This was a crab truck. Uh, I was at King 5. I was working the afternoon show. Uh, um, Let's see. We were but a couple of blocks from the overturned crab truck uh, when we moved into our new digs in Soto, right by the stadiums. Uh, Allison Morrow was out there. Glenn Farley was out there. It was... (laughs) It was pretty interesting. I mean... Crab all over the viaduct. Transportation crews spent more than six hours cleaning that area. So then let's talk about the, um, uh, was it the, well, I, I guess I could go back to 2006. And that's kind of what Steve Conan and I were talking about. And that's when the tanker, the fuel um, truck exploded on I-5 near Linwood. That was in August of um, 2006. So, sorry, I had to go back a little bit to come forward. So, February 2017, semi-truck carrying propane rolled over on I-5. It was an eight-hour closure on the freeway in both directions. This was out near I-90 and the West Seattle Bridge. Then you add a little snowfall to the mix. Yeah, that was so much fun. Yeah. You remember that? I remember where I was when that happened. <laughs> uh, I was at home kind of watching it all unfold because uh, I was at the time um, on the beach is what they like to say. So I was hired uh, roughly around March or April of 2017 at Cairo TV. And in December, December 18th of 2017 was the Amtrak derailment that had happened in DuPont. Passenger train 501, December 18th, 2017, early morning. Actually, I don't even want to say it was early morning. It was roughly around, I want to say like 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, It was big because the train 
legitimately just started on those tracks. Uh, at one point, um, it was a former reporter from King Five. He was on it. He got off of the um, off the train before it derailed, um, and that was um, Alex Rosier. He was at King Five at the time. Uh, yeah, it was one of the most memorable things I have ever covered. And pretty scary for that matter. So uh, several people died. A lot of people were injured. The pictures, if you want to Google those, um, they'll stop you. It will legitimately stop you. And you'll get a better idea of how devastating that hap- uh, that that incident alone happened. Let's go to May 2018. Chicken feathers. It's actually one of my favorite things that I covered um, when I was out reporting live. I was kind of a general assignment reporter, yet still kind of a traffic reporter. We were doing team traffic at the time, and I was working with Eric Alexander. Michael Spears was also on the road. He was working with Oscar Valenzuela. Oscar and Michael were heading southbound on I-5. Eric and I were heading northbound on I-5. The semi-truck overturned and spilled chicken feathers all over the road. This was outside of Federal Way. I want to say it was in between Stay Route 516 and 320th. We got out. So Eric and I got out of the vehicle and we trudged through. We got on the scene before any of the other stations were on the scene. And uh, I specifically remember the smell because it was enough to legitimately make you puke. The smell of it was just horrible. And on top of that, once you got out, because it was still kind of wet and the the chicken feathers were kind of wet, that smell stuck to you all day long. Your clothes, your jacket, anything that you touched, it was, you smelled like decaying feathers from chickens. It was so gross. But I got out of the vehicle. I trudged through some of those feathers to kind of give a better perspective to viewers on what they were looking at. And um, we admittedly, um, or we got the driver of the semi-truck to openly admit on live TV that he fell asleep at the wheel. So yeah, there's that one. Then one another episode, um, or not episode, another incident that really sticks out in my mind is... The train, or no, the um, crane accident that had happened in downtown Seattle. Actually, it was more South Lake Union. It was April 27th, 2019, almost 3.30 in the afternoon. Why do I remember this? I was leaving a birthday party. It was my husband's friend, longtime childhood friend. was with kiddo. We were leaving an indoor volleyball facility in Soto. No. In Georgetown, um, and I got a phone call from Brooke Pinkston. She was the assignment editor at Cairo TV, calling me and going, where are you and can you help? And absolutely. I had to miss um, going to see the Avengers Endgame with the hubs and the kiddo, but I was the first up to Harborview. Um, two people died when the crane fell over Mercer Street in South Lake Union. It's pretty unbelievable. So let's get right down to it. Let's talk about the tunnel. The tunnel was like the big story of 2019. 
after, let's see, years and years of it's talking, you know, being talked about by Seattle City Council and whatnot, Bertha came to be. The Alaskan Way Viaduct, all gone, demolished, destroyed, closed down the Battery Street Tunnel, just like landmarks of Seattle. And the Alaskan Way Viaduct was one of those things that made me fall in love with this city. I mean, once you drove up onto it and you just had that beautiful view of the sound and you could see the Space Needle and the big tall buildings, it was just one of the most breathtaking views you could possibly have. Well, February 28th of 2001 was the Nisqually quake, a 6.8 magnitude quake that struck Seattle. It shook everything, and it made a part of that vi- of the viaduct sink several inches. Essentially, crews had to stabilize the structure, and engineers agreed that the quake had lasted a few more minutes. It probably wouldn't have survived. It would have come crashing down. So in 24 or sorry in 2004 DOT announced it has chosen to do a shallow six lane tunnel as a preferred way to replace the viaduct. March 20 uh, 2007 Seattle City Council objected to putting a two alternative uh, two alternatives on the March 2007 ballot um, a new elevated highway or a four lane shallow tunnel. January 2009 leaders from the state city council and port recommended the tunnel. By January 12, 2009, the state of Washington, King County, the city of Seattle, the port of Seattle all revealed that they had agreed to replace the viaduct with a tunnel. And by March 4th of 2009, the state Senate passed the bill endorsing the tunnel option. So by February of 2011, crews demolished a portion of the on-ramp connecting 99 and 1st Avenue South. It pretty much marked the first time any part of the viaduct had been torn down. I have a piece of it. As a matter of fact, it's a piece that Mark Wright gave me as a birthday gift. And it was one of the coolest things uh, I think I've ever seen. And I still have it on my desk at my home. And I love every minute of it. I mean, I just love it. That piece is just so significant to me. So in February, um, like we said, in 2011, they demolished a portion of that. Then there was a nine-day closure in October of 2011 pretty much to move some of the machines and finish demolishing the south end of the viaduct. March 2013, Seattle made history with Bertha, the tunnel machine loaded for shipment in Japan, coming in at a wonderful weight of 7.77777777 metric tons. In April of 2013, Bertha arrives. July 2013, Bertha starts her journey in downtown Seattle. December 20, or sorry, 2013, four months into its journey, it hits a steel pipe near Main Street and Pioneer Square. It starts to overheat. January 2014, steel pipe blamed for the stoppage. And Seattle Times reports that this steel pipe that was struck by Bertha was put there by WashDOT engineers to study the groundwater. So that's just one thing there. February 2014, DOT announces that Bertha seals and bearing damage. It's overheating, no scheduled repairs. Pretty much what it comes down to is Bertha sits idle for a while. March 2014, April 2014, May 2014, December 2014. And by then, 
a large crack in December of 2014 was discovered uh, on a Pioneer Square Street. Uh, Pioneer Square Street. It was actually King Street. I remember this because I was at King at the time, and I remember Glenn, Glenn Farley talking about this, and I like my eyes got big, and I went, "Really? Could that really be?" So then, by July of 2015. Crews started building those really cool yellow stacks. And, you know, when you're driving uh, towards the stadiums, you or if you're coming from South Lake Union, um, you, you see those, like, they're ventilation stacks, the yellow stacks. So they've built those. Then by tw- uh, November 2015, Bertha was supposed to start on November 23rd. It was three months late, but the timeline is pushed another month, and DOT is, like, extremely frustrated about the whole thing. So Bertha gets back to tunneling December 2015. So we're like a year behind schedule. January 2016, DOT announced that they've uh, seen a sinkhole develop shortly after Bertha started digging again. It was actually about 100 feet south of Bertha's current position. I had to double check that. And the Seattle Times has a really good timeline of this whole thing. So what it brings us down to is the demolition of the viaduct this year, the closure of the Battery Street Tunnel. One thing that I covered, as a matter of fact, I remember where I, I mean, I was working for Cairo TV at the time when it happened, and I was live out there. I was with photographer Bruce Groves, and it was pouring when they closed down the Battery Street Tunnel. So then the brand new Highway 99 Tunnel opens, February of this year. And it just so happens our biggest snowstorm hit the same day the tunnel opens, legitimately paralyzing the city. And that was for a couple of days. And I have pictures and video of not only Oscar and I driving through the tunnel because it was Super Bowl Sunday. We actually, I came to work early. My husband was called in early because of the snow. And, um, yeah, so we drove the tunnel and then we did snow coverage all day long. Then tolling started in November of this year. And it's been pretty interesting. The backlash on the tunnel, now the diversion that's happening where people are jamming up surface streets and there's more pressure over onto I-5. It has been a whirlwind of traffic headlines for the last decade. And I have been privileged to cover Almost every single one of those. And I'm looking forward to the next 10 years to cover more of the traffic headlines and to keep you guys moving safely and efficiently in this city. So that wraps it up for the year-end review of Gridlocked. I appreciate your time that you have dedicated to me and a part of this podcast because this is essentially what I love to do. So have yourself a happy new year. And I will see you in 2020 for another edition of Gridlocked.